Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So again, good morning to everyone. I'd, I'd like the children who are from the school to raise, maybe stand up to, so we can see you. There are some children here. There are some children here, over here. <laughs> See you. All right, and some more over here. Great. And so what I'm going to do is uh, just live the Mass as we live it all every Wednesday. And, well, first of all, let me explain to you what I mean by the art or the cube of love or the art of loving. When the school year began... I started sharing uh, the, the art of loving to the teachers, to the children, to the principal, uh, because love is the foundation of everything that we do as Christians. Uh, love is the very essence of who God is. And I just want to remind you, if you've ever read a book by C.S. Lewis, where he identified four different kinds of love, but they're all contained in the love of God, which he called agape. If you recall, or if you didn't know, let me tell you that the first love that he identifies is the love between a man and a woman, romantic love. It's the love that brought us here into existence, so thank God uh, that it's a gift. And he called it eros, eros. The second kind of love he identifies is friendship. Friendships emerge. We don't know why sometimes. Um, they're spontaneous. But you've heard the phrase, who's found a friend has found a treasure. And then C.S. Lewis identifies the love between siblings. You've heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water, meaning that even if you don't get along with your siblings, you'll still do everything to help them. And so... 
these are the first three types of love he, ex he, um, he explains, and then he explains agape love. And agape love is the love that most reflects the love of God, which includes self-sacrifice for the other. Now, love is not, a is not only a sentiment such as, such as in Eros, but the love of God is much more than that. And that is what the cube of love, does anyone, by the way, have a cube of love? Did anyone bring their cube of love? Yes. Did you? Oh. All right, so if, if someone has it, bring it up to me so I can, I can use it as, as, a, as a prop. But otherwise, the art of loving are six characteristics of the love of God that we can find in Scripture. And love is so big that I, I, I just don't find the words to convey its importance. Some people reduce it to willing the good of the other, as if that's all love is. Love is much more than just willing the good of the other. One episode, I don't know if you know this, but St. John, the, the beloved disciple of Jesus, is the only disciple, only apostle, who was not martyred. And he lived to be an elderly person. He lived in a community, in one of the first communities. And the people of the community would gather in the evenings and they'd want John to tell them more about the life of Jesus, more about his teachings. And St. John would only repeat the phrase, love one another, love one another. And they would ask him, surely Jesus said something more. Sure, surely there's more to it than that. He said, there is nothing that goes more to the heart of the message of the gospel than the new commandment, love one another. And so let me just briefly tell you what these six characteristics of the love of God are and invite all of us as a parish, not only the school, but they're going to help me in a little bit because not only do we try to live the cube of love or these six characteristics of the love of God, but we also have to find the time to share our experiences of how we lived it so that the gospel comes to life, so that it, just, so that it, just, it doesn't remain just a conceptual thing. The Word of God is something we can memorize, something we can recite, something we can study, but most of all, it's meant to be lived, and so we call it the Word of Life. So the six characteristics of the art of loving are, first of all, to love everyone, including... Perfect. Thank you so much. So this will help me love everyone. The first So every classroom has this cube. The idea is that every morning they toss it and whatever comes up is what the teachers and the students try to live that day. And then at a certain moment, they share their experiences of how they tried to love, in this case, everyone. So we'll hear some of those experiences. But the first characteristic of God's love is to love everyone, including our enemy. So those are two points, love everyone and everyone includes the enemy. And it comes from Matthew 5, 44, 45, right after the Beatitudes, or a few chapters, a few verses after the Beatitudes. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he, may, he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just 
and the unjust. God loves everyone. In our lives, we make distinctions. These are my family, these are not. These are from my parish, these are not. God doesn't make those distinctions. He loves everyone, and for us, it means one person at a time, whoever God puts in front of us in the present moment of life, and then the next person, and then the next person. It could be your wife, it could be your husband, it could be your children, it could be uh, the clerk or the uh, cashier at the register, everyone. We make no distinctions, including the enemy. And it's not always Bin Laden or Darth Vader. The enemy is sometimes your mom who says, do your homework. It's your husband who says, oh, I can't make it home for dinner tonight. I'm staying late to work. And you're, you had plans maybe for Valentine's Day. <laughs> your, your enemy can be um, just someone in your family that you stop talking to. Love everyone. So that's the first those are the first two characteristics of God's love, everyone, including the enemy. And second characteristic is to be the first to love, based on 1 John 4.10. In this is love, he says, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. And God always loves us first. We can never love God first. He loved us into existence. So, so our response is a response of love to his love. This is important. What should motivate us is to respond to God's love. Otherwise, we do things out of guilt because we don't want to feel guilty, or we do things out of fear because we don't want to go to hell. To do it as a response of love to God's love. And so if God is first to love us, we can be the first to love the other, the first to say good morning, the first to uh, extend a hand, the first to reconcile when a relationship breaks or conflict arises, we can always be first. And so that's the third characteristic of love. Love everyone, love your enemy, and love first. The fourth characteristic is from 1 Corinthians 9.22 when St. Paul says, I have become all things to all persons. What that means is to make yourself one, to share the other's joy, the other's hurt, to put yourself in the other's shoes, to listen to the point that you can see the world through the other person's eyes. And so to make yourself one because Jesus himself made himself one with us. He who was in heaven became a little baby like, like all of us were, and then a, as a human, and so he put himself in our skin, in our shoes, he saw the world through our eyes. And so to make ourselves one in everything, everything, everything except sin, never in sin. So if your daughter wants to watch a Disney movie with her, wants you to watch a Disney movie with her, watch it. Oh, you might say, oh, what a waste of time. No, it's not a waste of time. It's living the love of God in that moment. Uh, your wife wants you to go shopping with her and you really hate shopping, but you go because you make yourself one. And she asks your opinion about something which you really don't care about, but you really answer and say, oh, that's, that's, not, that's beautiful, uh, honey. That, yeah, buy that one. <laughs> I don't know. So make yourself one. The, the next aspect of the art of loving is the reason we love the other. The reason is Matthew, 30, Matthew, uh, Matthew 25, 40, when Jesus 
is telling the parable, and he's basically telling us the final exam question of our lives. When I was hungry, did you give me to eat? When I was thirsty, did you give me to drink? When I was in prison, did you come and visit me? And you'll say, when did we see you hungry or in prison or uh, thirsty? And he says, whenever you did it to anyone, especially the least, you did it to me. And so Jesus is in every person just by the fact that they are a human being. There is a presence of Jesus. And even if they're not Christian, even if they're non-believers, he, maintain, he maintains done to himself whatever we do to the other. I tell you when I uh, tell people, I remind people about this in confession, it's a big eye-opener because if, we were, if we're able to remember when I'm driving and the person in front of me is not moving and the light is green and I feel like honking, I remember, oh wait, that's Jesus. I note it, just notice Immediately, compassion enters your heart, mercy enters your heart, that honk you were about to do, you don't do it, but it, the, the point is to remember. And so when I tell the children, when you disobey your mom, who are you disobeying? Jesus. When you hit your little, bro your little brother or sister, who are you hitting? Jesus. And when you don't listen to your teacher, who are you not listening to? Jesus. So it's a, good, it's a good tool. But then the opposite is also true. If you obey your parents, who are you obeying? Jesus. If you share your lunch with someone, who are you sharing with? Jesus. If you're kind to the opponent on the other team, who are you being kind to? Jesus. And the reason is Jesus. Because Jesus is in the other person the challenge is to remember. So that's the fourth, what is it, the fourth point? The fifth point. And so the final point is, is, is the height of the, of, the, of the love of God. It's in the mutuality. The first five points are something I have to do before God and answering in freedom. I want to love first. I want to love everyone, including my enemy. I want to love Jesus and the other. I want to make myself one, share the other's hurt and joy. But in, in the mutual love, he's speaking to a, a, a group, two or more. It's not enough for me to love if we're a Christian community, but the other also responding in freedom to that call to love reciprocates. And when that dynamic of love is among us in the small things, in the gestures, in the good mornings, in the goodwill toward the other, then there is love circulating among us. And when that love circulates among us, we experience something incredible, the presence of God. We feel God present in our relationship, in our midst, which is the fulfillment of Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered in my name, meaning in loving first, loving everyone, seeing Jesus, I am there. I am there. It's a true presence of Jesus that we can live in our families, in our workplaces, in our parish. Obviously not easy because I, I once uh, spoke about this and a wife, a wife told me, Father, I love and love and love my husband and he doesn't love me back. How should I get him to love me? <laughs> and so the answer to that is you can't expect it from the other because as soon as you start expecting the other to love you back, you're taking away their freedom, and it's no longer love. So I told her, we have to be convinced 
that what matters in loving is that we continue to love, even if it's never reciprocated. It's not up to us. It's up to the person in their freedom to respond to the same call and then to reciprocate. And so you can see how difficult it is to really live mutual love. Anyway, I said that this living these six points of God's love makes the Beatitudes shine in our lives. So I am going to invite Roberta, who is in the fourth grade, to come up and to share her experience of how she lived the cube of love. Is Roberta here? Where is Roberta? All right, there you are. And I want Grace, Gracie, to be ready. So Roberta, come right up here so everyone can see you. Turn around and look at everybody. Scout them out. <laughs> now, Roberta, how did you live the cube of love? And what point? Uh, we were playing a soccer game and we lost, but at the end, the goalkeeper in the other team was kind of sad, so I thought I was gonna be the first to love. So I went up to her and said, good game, and then she seemed happy. Wonderful, and why did you do that? Because I wanted to be the first to love. You wanted to be the first to love. So Roberta, thank you so much for your experience. Let's give Roberta a big round of applause. And so we see in Roberta someone who's a peacekeeper, someone who lived peace, and blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. We see in Roberta someone who had mercy, blessed are the merciful. Um, so she showed mercy toward the goalie. So you can see how the Beatitudes shine forth when we live the cube of love. So now is Grace here? Grace? There you go. And then I want Hayden, Hayden to be ready. So Grace, how did you live the cube of love? So my, my sister um, sometimes gets scared at night and she wants to come in my room. So I let her come in my room and I say a prayer to let her fears go away and then we fall asleep together. And why did, why did you do that? Because I wanted, because I saw Jesus in her. Because you saw Jesus in her and you loved Jesus in her. Beautiful. Thank you, uh, Grace. Thank you very much. And so we see also how poverty in spirit makes us forget about, about ourselves and to think of the others. And loving Jesus in the other is what, hap is, is what makes us forget about ourselves. And so Hayden, is Hayden here? There you go. So Hayden, how did you live the cube of love? About three or so weeks ago, I, my dad got a text from our neighbor's mom. And so after we went to the park, uh, we hung with him for about three or four hours. And I didn't feel like hanging out with him, but I did it anyways because I saw Jesus in the other. You love Jesus in the other. Beautiful. Thank you, Hayden. Thank you for sharing your experience. <laughs> and now I invite Riley. Riley, our altar server in the eighth grade. Hayden is in the seventh grade. So Riley, tell us how you lived the cube of love. So I have two examples of living the cube of love. One of them is uh, when playing football, whenever you would tackle some, whenever I would like tackle someone or 
someone would trip, I'd always go over and help them up because I love the enemy and I saw Jesus in the other. And my second example is this past week, our religion coordinator, Mr. Kyanin, he came up and asked me to do this and I said yes because I loved him. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Riley. <laughs> so. So when we share our experiences, it's not to show how holy we are, it's not to show off, it's really what St. Augustine, uh, Saint Augustine, sorry, St. Ignatius of Loyola said, when we share the riches of the kingdom of God within us, they benefit the other. And so it's a way of evangelizing each other by sharing how we live the gospel. And so let me conclude by sharing with you an experience that someone shared with me uh, of how she lived, the Beatitudes or the art of loving. And this is what she said. My mother-in-law was very fond of her son, my husband, so much so that she was jealous of me. And this attitude always created problems between us and hardened, hardened my heart toward her. A year ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. Her only daughter, was unable to give her the treatment and care that she needed. The words of the gospel, to be poor in spirit, which I had for some time been trying to live, changed my heart. I was learning to love. Overcoming my misgivings, I asked my mother-in-law to come and stay with us. I began to see her with new eyes and to love her. It was Jesus, I was helping and serving in her. She was not indifferent to this love. I began, she was not indifferent to this love. To my surprise, she responded to all that I did with a similar love, mutuality. The grace of God worked the miracle of reciprocity, mutuality. Some very demanding months went by, but they were no burden to me. And when my mother-in-law went peacefully to heaven, a sense of peace remained with us all. A few days later, I realized I was expecting the baby that, had, that we had been waiting for for nine years. This child is a tangible sign of God's overflowing love. Saint Anthony of Padua, pray for us.